What it is, what's up, got your podcast in the cut. I'm going to try to make this a topless thoughts uh, episode because I have a lot of thoughts. I actually don't have, I have a thought about one particular thing. I'm going to flesh out something more substantive and worth listening to. Uh, to make it interesting for you, to, the the, uh, the viewer, the listener. So, I finally finished reading Perks of a Wallflower. I say finally, although the turnaround on that was, honest to God, a lot quicker than the majority of um, of things that I read. Because, generally speaking, I get a book from... Uh, usually, I get the book from my uh, little, you know, give a book, uh, take a book, little box near me. It takes me a long-ass while to read that damn book. But this motherfucker, I that book turned around... It, within a couple of months, I mean, I don't know how many months, I would say under four months, maybe under five months, which is a good turnaround for me. Uh, four months or so, five months or so, a good turnaround for me. What's really crazy is that I knocked out like half the, like probably one third of the book. It's a 220 page book about, um, and I just pretty much sped around the last. 70, 80, not really sped because I really did like try to captive uh capture what I was reading. But um from the point where uh fuck what was it? Oh yeah, um if you haven't read the book, I don't know what to tell you. It came out like it came out three months before I was born and I'm twenty three years old, so when she goes to get the abortion, which I guess is topical, uh when the sister goes to get the abortion does he ever say the name of his brother and sister? I don't remember if he does or doesn't. I don't think he does. I don't know if he does. I don't remember if he does. I'm pretty sure he does because I don't know, but I don't think he does. He probably does. But <laughs> So the sister goes get the abortion. That was where I left off when I could pick up the book today and I finished all of it from there. I think that was like page 115-ish, give or take. So I basically cooked about 100 pages, give or take. When it really starts going towards that kind of tail end there, it's really captivating. Uh, you kind of see the culmination of all the uh, the small ev- uh, evolutions that Charlie made in the first half of the book. Because you, when you come out of your shell, like he came out of his shell uh, in this school year, uh, some bad things can happen. And you kind of figured eventually, like, this guy's living a fantasy, basically. And as with high school, you got to remember how high school was. A lot of things that were good were built on pretty false pretenses. And unfortunately, a lot of the friends that uh, Charlie had had many pretenses of their own that were very false. So things start coming apart. Uh, Things fall apart like the uh, Roots album. And it makes for very entertaining and captivating television. I will certainly say that. I, uh, well, television, book reading. I enjoyed it quite a bit. And I don't know the last time I could express to you that I did enjoyed a book. I enjoyed the fuck out of that book. That was a very good watch slash read. Uh, and I would love to have read it when I was younger. But I don't think I've ever had the, uh, really the, the nuances to appreciate it when I was younger. Like, I know a lot of people say that's a book that's legitimately a good coming of age, like teenage type book. That shit is deep. Uh, for one, I don't think you can even appreciate... And I don't mean this in like some kind of weird edgy way. I just mean this in like a way to understand the gravity of the topic. But like 
the concept of being molested as a child, first of all, I think you need really need to be outside of being a child yourself, uh, age-wise, to understand how deeply rooted such a, a, a trauma can be. And when I finally get to the point where we start, you know, he kind of gets his dream, literally the things he's been dreaming about for the entire, the entire book since he meets this woman, Sam. And we get to that point, and then he starts, it, it, the, the author does a fantastic job of expressing that it's not just chickening out. Like, it's literally him, the character, explicitly saying he's not chickening out, he's not just scared, but he's just confused, like something ethereal uh, is affecting him that he doesn't even know how to explain. And then it's so in character, because this is definitely a character that does not know how to express his emotions, and has not throughout the, uh, pretty much the continuity that this book has, uh, Display to us, and I would imagine before this book takes takes place, takes place, takes place as well. Throughout just pretty much, uh, not Sam, but Charlie's entire life, and he starts going crazy, catatonic. In fact, so where Wikipedia uses, and it makes so much fucking like literally the entire book comes together. Uh, and I did. I, it's weird. I'm like I, I'm like almost done with a book, and I'm like I'm gonna really understand what the fuck happened. I'm gonna reread this stuff. I usually just like I'm done, you know, because I mean I want to read books, but at the same time it's like, you know, I'm also I just want to get the book over with. You know, my my attention span starts usually kicking out. I'm like let's just get this over. You know, let's just drive it out. But I went back like 20 pages. I started rereading stuff because you know when you get to the hospital part of the book where he's like in the mental hospital again. And he's uh, hospitalized. You start realizing that he's been hinting that something really traumatic happened with uh, the aunt that wasn't just him being, or her death, you know, her her dying to greet his present. There were some things that were extenuating past that that, you know, I mean, everybody does a trauma differently. But you would think that there was some, some more meat there that was left unexplored. And then we get, you know, this is not just coming to me, but... We always were told by the uh, the parents that they didn't trust Nancy. Uh, I believe that was her name was Nancy. Uh, just think I'm talking about. I'm, I've been watching Stranger Things, so if it starts to end, I'm probably gonna think it's Nancy. But the aunt, they didn't want to leave the kids with the aunt for the while, for the longest. But by the time that they kind of allowed her to be around, I think the other two kids are pretty much already like in that kind of. They care for themselves, type age for the most part. While Charlie was both the most trusting of the aunt, the most uh, indebted to her emotionally and the closest to her, as well as being the most deferential. And that deferential personality, as we find out, has been this thing that uh, both defines Charlie and is a result of things that happened early in, uh, in Charlie's life. So... It all comes together, really. I think they do... Uh, like, you don't have to make an ending to a work of art like this whole neat ribbon-wrapped uh, present for the reader, but it, he does a majestic job of bringing it all together. I mean, within a couple of pages, really. We get Sam about to go, you know, do her thing with uh, the, our homeboy. She explains why this could have been a thing a long time ago, but you never wanted to push for it. You always wanted somebody to push for you. Um... And then he finally do what he wants to do, and then he goes, you know, catatonic when this happens. And I mean, it's always been like four or five, six pages where like everything about this character, the wallflower nature, 
gets explained, gets, um, you know, put on his head, and it comes together beautifully. I mean, it really is. Like, I mean, for this to be something that was targeted for very young readers, I mean, it's truly an incredible read once it gets to, uh, really gets going. Uh, I think everything from the, the point where he uh, starts, really that, that abortion moment, I think that was a really good pause for me. I really just paused it because I wanted to stop reading for a while and get a break. But everything from there, you really start feeling like this is a kid that's going through some shit that just belies his age. I mean, this romanticization that you may get from your parents about the 90s and how like everything was still young and kids went through kids shit and blah, 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 blah. The stuff this kid goes through is some shit you could see a kid going through now, today. Because I think nowadays, regardless of what your parents are saying or just what people are living through, the shit we go through nowadays is some crazy ass shit. <laughs> and it's not if you want to deal with some emotionally traumatic shit, you want to go through being older, you want to be introduced to this stuff. Because Charlie never wanted to be introduced to any of this stuff. It's just the stuff we had to go through to, to cope with the day-to-day he went through. I thought this was going to end with him killing himself, to be honest with you. Because he went through a lot of fucking shit. And he had no, which which I think is funny, uh, the idea of having no um, no avenue to speak to about the trauma that you've experienced. Because that sentiment rings true now. And we have all the technology in the world to meet anybody across the entire universe. And I think people nowadays around, especially when they're high school age, when they're starting to feel like distance from who they used to be or even more appropriate, who they used to be around. Uh, I think if, I see a lot of teens that are just depressed because they feel like they should be normal like everybody else, a lot Charlie. And everybody else is this, you know, fantasized. Uh, spotless social media version, and I'm really speaking from my own emotions and memories myself around that age, uh, growing up in the social media era. I could go on and on about this book. It's a fantastic watch, uh, read. And speaking of watch, I wanted to see what the movie's talking about, because I remembered, I think my really my first introduction to this uh, book as a, uh, as a, you know, as a, uh, this franchise, as a vessel to follow it, was back in 2012, I remember seeing the advertisements for the book, uh, the movie version of the book. And I was thinking to myself, like, this is a book I saw before. Like, I'm trying to act like I remember vividly what I was thinking 10 years ago. But I remember saying, okay, well, this is, uh, you know, I always remember seeing this book. You know, it's one of those books that if you were a kid in the uh, 2000s, uh, you always... You know, kind of, or like, told her, this is a book you should read one day. Maybe not right now, this day. Uh, you know, some of the books you may have been recommended to read immediately. You know, Divergent, uh, Harry Potter, you know, uh, you know, Keys to Kingdom, whatever. This is like, you need to read that book later on. Like, this is of that um, Catcher in the Ride, to kill a Mockingbird kind of lane more than anything. Uh, I would say, honestly, it's a little bit younger than To Kill a Mockingbird. Like, To Kill a Mockingbird is like late high school stage, like, you're being introduced to adult material at that point. Uh, that's specifically labeled as adult material. Uh, this would be kind of like maybe a, a couple of years younger than that in an idealized audience age. I don't know what to really compare it to, but it's got its like kind of own kind of niche in terms of where you was structured in terms of age. Because uh, it's definitely like 
you need to have some maturity to really appreciate what's being expressed, especially towards the back half. But I would imagine the target audience age was probably around the late teens, uh, mid to late teens. I don't know. I had fun. Uh, I could go on about this book forever. I may watch the movie at some point, but uh, <laughs> when I saw the, little, the lead, one of the three leads was Ezra Miller. Well, not one of the three leads, but one of the primarily uh, introduced uh, characters. Uh, Ezra Miller. I was not a massive fan of that. <laughs> Ezra Miller has some uh, real winners in his um, his his backlog, but Ezra Miller, dude. <sighs> Ezra Miller. Percy Jackson, Emma Watson, Ezra Miller. I believe Emma Watson would have been, I want to say late teens, early 20s by this point. And then I think Ezra would have been about 18, 19. And Percy Jackson would have been probably around the same age, I guess. So they got a pretty good, I think they got a pretty good uh, audience for this. Like this reminds me of, <laughs> I'm comparing this in my mind to Percy Jackson's actual movie and not the character because Percy Jackson had like, that came out like a couple of years after, no, I think Percy Jackson uh, preceded uh, Percival Wallflower. And they had Alexander Dardo there who was like fucking like 30, I think at that point. <laughs> Hold on, let me see. First Percy Jackson movie. Percy Jackson movie. One. 2010, yeah. So they had, the, the black dude was old as fuck. And he's supposed to be, like, not high school. He's supposed to be, like, kind of... Well, I think he wore high school, but I think he's supposed to be, like, like ninth grader type age, you know? Um, they were not supposed to be as... Um, they were pretty damn old. Let me just say that shit. Brandon T. Jackson, he was um, Nickelodeon... I want to say Agent... Uh, Agent whatever the fuck it was. He, was he Nickelodeon? I know he was in a uh, big ticket or lottery ticket. Was he not at Nickelodeon? Damn, I swear to God, I thought he was in, in uh, Nickelodeon. Let me see. Mr. Robinson, Deadbeat, Zeta Project. I, I thought he was in one of those kid movies, uh, kid shows. Well. But yeah, he's 38 now, so he was 28 then. So yeah, he was about 30 when this came out, uh, 26 or so. Alexandra Dario, she's like 40 now, I think, 36. So she would have been about 23-ish, give or take. And then Percy Jackson would have been, I think he's 29, 30. 30. So he would have been about right. He would have been about 18. It is, it's just weird that they like got the guy right, but then he's like, yeah, other other two leads in that, we'll just make them, you know, fucking, you know, <laughs> like grown ass adults. This is a, this is a, a stellar casting, by the way, Percy Jackson. <coughs> Shit. Logan Lerman, Brandon T. Jackson, Alexander Dario, Jake Abel, uh, Rosario, Rosario Dawson. Uh, of Star Wars fame, if you don't know who that is, uh, you gotta know who Rosario Dawson is, dude. Dawson, like one of the hottest women, like early two thousands movies. Um, Steve Coogan, I've never heard that name before. Uh, Uma Thurman, I did not know Uma Thurman was in this movie at all. I did not know at all she was in that movie. Sean Bean, I think Sean Bean was like the. Uh, I'm not gonna try to guess. I think I know who he was, but I don't want to really 
waste too much time. I know I'm I need to move on to the next thing. Um they had a, a, it's just absolutely like stellar cast here. And this movie did a good for its budget. I mean, 95 uh, budget, 2026 box office. I know it should do a $100 million budget. That's asinine. <laughs> it's a $100 million budget. Let's see what the second movie was heading for. I imagine a reduced budget. $90 million. Damn. <laughs> I guess it's that. Fuck it. Let's just keep moving. Um... And yeah, I think it was like a critical flop, and that's why I never came back to it. Uh, let's see. Yeah, 42% was not critically acclaimed. Uh, unfortunately, you know, I thought it was a great... I mean, this this guy, this this creator, Rick, Rick Riordan, pretty much was the preeminent uh, kids writer in the later 2000s, early 2010s. Outside of Dire Wimpy Kid. Like, this was his league. Because you would have, in the early 2010s, you would have, like, Beatles of Ramona. Um, the other franchise that that Arthur did. The, uh, the, the like, the, the, I forgot the other things that he did. But it was, like, Beezus came off of that franchise. And you had, like, the, the, the Women Diaries. That were, like, early 2000s. And, like, the 2010s, late 2000s, pretty much Dire Wimpy Kid. Um these movies and well Harry Potter I don't know what it, Harry Potter like transcends like the 2000 2010s barriers because like it kind of oh Twilight forgot about Twilight obviously um Twilight was late 2000s but obviously the movies kind of extended it that's the thing about Harry Potter too is that like the movies kind of extended Harry Potter's relevancy for a little bit longer than probably you would think because I think the last movie in that the last book in that franchise came like in the i want to say 07 08 range and the last movie came out again like 2013 or so i want to say so i don't know you know i I really don't know what to say about that but same thing happened with twilight twilight i think last movie came out 2014 and i think the last book came out like 2000 2010 so yeah i don't know it's weird it's weird uh but i you know diaphragm kid New Kid on the Block took over in 2010s. Uh, the Greek and Egyptian books that Rick Riordan put out there uh, came out in pretty much the late 2000s, 2010-ish. And uh, it's a shame that those never really, uh, you know, kind of kind of got off more. Because I thought those were massive books that uh, should have probably led to some kind of successful... Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Thirty nine clues. I forgot thirty nine clues. That was just, that was something too. I never watched that. Amazing bones. I never read those. Yeah, I always remember seeing those. Those were up there with the um, the rest of the stars. But I never wanted to read those for some reason. I don't know what to say. That's it. Was twenty minutes. I guess we'll. T- <laughs> I hope we just put this out here and just just rock with it. We'll just throw this out here and this will be the episode. I don't have anything else to say. Um, hope you guys enjoyed me ranting, I guess, a little bit about a book. If you guys want to see more book coverage, just give me a book to read. I'll read a book. Just give me a, throw me a book. The Heroes of Olympus. They did a sequel to the Percy Jackson. I think I actually read one of these. One of them had like a blue cover, didn't it? Didn't it? Lost Hero. Not that one. Ton of Neptune. Was that the one I read? 
I know looking at it, I didn't read the last two in here. But I'm pretty sure I read the Son of Neptune. I don't know. I know I read the first, I want to say two books in the Egyptian one. The Egyptian one didn't last that long, unfortunately, it seems like. How many books did you get off? Three? I will say, I mean, he got a lot done in those books. Like, it's not like uh, that he was just putting these out and, you know, they just got canceled prematurely. He got a lot done in these books, and he didn't want to extend it past me at the extended. Shut up, Rick Riordan. I'm done. Peace.